0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Biomara. This is a weekly new show where we'll discuss some of the weird, strange, and just downright odd things that happen in the art and history fields. I'm your host and personal curator, Amara Andrew. This week, we're talking about Curse of the Titanic, our AI-generated videos, the future, and is poop art the new pop art? So we have all that and more coming up on this episode of Biomara. Let's get to it. That was a pretty smooth intro for me. I'm very proud of myself. The past couple weeks, I've been flubbing every left, right, which way up. Well, see, now I'm flubbing, so that's totally fine. (laughs) Anywho, I think it's just because I had like 80 gallons of coffee this morning. I don't know why. In the summertime, I get very addicted to caffeine. I guess Also in the winter, this really isn't an excuse, but in the summer, I just want to drink coffee like all day. I don't know what it is. I think just because it's like light out later. So then I'm just like, I just want to be up all the time and it's great and I love it. So anywho, that's enough about my severe caffeine addiction. Right now we're just going to talk about some updates, I guess. Um, I don't have any news story updates. Of course, shocking, I know. Uh, But for life updates, (laughs) Jeff and I, we did our second week of our podcast, What is Maven? That's a brand new podcast. It's Mostly geared toward real estate professionals, just because that's mostly who I work with in my business for Maven. Uh, and what is maven.com linked in the description below. Those are normally the the people that I work with are real estate professionals, but you know, I, I do work with other people. So anyway, TLDR, the podcast is geared toward that and just kind of helping you grow your business and expand your business. But it's also somewhere for small business owners and entrepreneurs also who are just kind of looking for a community. Uh, it is very difficult to find a community. I will say that. I will be the first person to say that. I talk to Jeff about that all the time. How I want to have more people in our community, but it's just difficult, especially now online. And I'm more of like an in-person kind of, I don't know. It's just a little difficult. So TLDR, we uh, recorded our second episode, which is fun. I'm glad we're keeping the momentum. Cause that's like the main thing is keeping your momentum. Sometimes, I mean, With this podcast specifically, it is going to be a little bit later than normal, but I am recording it and I am doing it. And that is what is most important. (laughs) No, I'm just teasing. I really love this podcast. It's just been a very busy, weird not great week for me personally but I'm not going to get into that back to what is maven so this week we are talking about the iron law of stardom on the episode it's really interesting it's basically talking about how each celebrity kind of has like a 3 year window where they can just have ultimate stardom and you can reinvent yourself which it's supposed to be motivational for people to be like hey you can actually reinvent yourself many different ways you don't just have to be this one thing forever. So anyway, if you're interested at all, you can go check it out. It's called What is Maven, which you can find it in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts or on my YouTube channel. So if you're, if you're curious at all. This week, we also went to Galloping Ghost, which is apparently the world's largest arcade, I believe is how it's phrased. They have 943 games. We made sure to ask the front desk attendant before we left. It was really fun. It was very big very full of so many fucking arcade games I've never seen that many I mean I'm not an arcade kind of person Jeff definitely is and our friends that we went with like they're more arcade people than I am but I had a really fun time it was literally just arcade games as far as you could see in this like massive series of rooms and you could just kind of get lost and it was really cool I found my new favorite game it's called Burger Time if you've no arcades you've probably heard of it it's really fun you get to build your little burger and you're like walking on. i don't know i don't know how to describe it but it was a really fun game and i loved it and it was just a fun vibe um it's it's weird it like they it doesn't really have like a vibe necessarily which is totally fine it's located in brookfield illinois which is just outside the city and uh it's it's not the most visually appealing if you like a little bit more ambiance and stuff like that but it's very fun so if you're ever in the area i highly recommend it if you like video games so uh i think that is it for my updates so let's just get straight into our stories so this is a story in development which i i try to not talk about just because things are constantly changing. So, I mean, I'm literally recording this and then hitting publish, so <laughs> just a uh, spoiler alert for behind the scenes. So, a lot can change between when I'm recording this and when it's going to be published and In the future, but this is what we know as of now, as of this recording, Wednesday morning. Uh, So, this we're going to be talking about the Titanic submersible that has gone missing. We'll just get into it, I guess. So, if you have no idea, like I was talking to my boyfriend Jeff and he had no idea what was going on, which I was like, how do you not know by now? Uh, But I preface as a kid, I was beyond obsessed with Titanic, obviously because of the movie. Um, It was later than the movie came out because I was born just I would have been four when the movie came out. So I wouldn't have been as obsessed with it. But I definitely, it was like Titanic fever. Like it makes sense because it was just everywhere, everywhere all at once. And I was just absolutely obsessed with the Titanic as a kid. Like for no reason, literally no reason. I had every single book. I knew every stupid fucking fact about like, it just doesn't make any sense. It was really creepy and really weird. But anyway, back to what we're talking about right now. So there is a submersible that tours the Titanic wreckage and uh, it like I said has gone missing so this is like a huge issue right now the company that operates these is called Ocean Gate and they offer a service where people I think I saw I thought I saw a couple different facts and figures but essentially people can pay about $250,000 is what I'm seeing to go essentially to the bottom of the ocean floor to go look at the Titanic. It sounds cool. I would not ever fucking do it because that sounds like a terrible idea because of what has happened. So the submersible has gone, or at least the company has had submersibles go to the Titanic, go to the floor of the ocean in 2021 and 2022. So this has happened before. This is the third time that this voyage has been made. And of course, on the third one, it might be the final one. The submersible is called the Titan, which is odd, When you look at the name of the Titanic, and then I think also there was a book written. uh, I'm going to talk about this. There is a reason why I'm talking about this specifically. um, But part of kind of the myths and lore that surrounds the Titanic is what we're going to be discussing and like curses and stuff like that. But in a book that was written in the early 1900s, I believe the ship that went missing in the book before the Titanic disaster happened, there was an author who wrote a book about a ship and I'm 99% sure it was called the Titan, which is also a very weird parallel, but I digress. So anyway, the submersible was called the Titan. It was controlled by a mothership on the surface. So I think they had just like a little controller or something is what I've seen. Again, I'm talking about this as it's developing. So we're not going to have all of the story and all of the knowledge that we'll have in the future. So just bear with me. The submersible was headed down to go view the Titanic, which is about 12,500 feet underwater. It's on the ocean floor. Uh, Contact was lost with this submersible after about an hour and 45 minutes into the dive. This is seriously everybody's worst nightmare, or it should be most people's worst nightmare. The submersible is a 22-foot-long machine. It's eight feet high, or a little over eight feet high, and about nine feet wide. It has room for five people, which there were five people on this submersible, or there are currently, uh, Not to be a downer. There are five people on it, and we'll talk about who they are in just a second. And the submersible can go down about 4,000 meters underwater, which is about 13,123 feet. So it can actually, the Titanic is at 12,500, so it could actually theoretically go lower than that. So it's pretty well equipped, I would say. The people who entered the submersible, though, they had to take off their shoes and you have to sit cross-legged in the submersible because it's not that big. Um, there is a toilet in it because a lot of people essentially people are trying to empathize. some people are, some people aren't, but I'm not going to talk about the people who are making fun of people on this thing because this is a terrible thing. This is absolutely terrible, but there is a a toilet on the submersible, and it has a privacy screen and music to play for privacy, essentially thinking these people have been trapped on the submersible for the past 24 to 48 hours. Their oxygen is supposed to run out as of this recording by tomorrow, like end of day tomorrow or something like that. Like it feels like a movie script. Hopefully they can be found in time for that. So the five people that are on board are the Oceangate CEO, Stockton Rush, uh, Paul-Henri Narjulette. (laughs) So apologies for mispronunciation. He's a French explorer. Uh, Shazada Dawood and then, then his son Solomon, and they're uh the father is like a businessman. And then Hamish Harding, who I guess is a billionaire. uh, I I don't know what he does. Why I want to talk about this, though, is because a lot of people then are also talking about the curse of the Titanic, which that was the first thing that popped into my mind, too, because ever since it sank, there have been all these different theories of all these different curses and myths and lore and stuff like that, which is just frankly stupid. (laughs) But it's also very interesting because in times of crisis or something weird that we just can't really comprehend, or that's a terrible loss of life. We tend to build these stories and these narratives and think that there has to be some sort of mystical something that's happening or attribute it to some weird ancient curse kind of thing. When frankly, it's just there is an explanation behind it. But it's, I'm not going to go into the religious thing. I personally am not religious at all. I'm very, very, anti-religion honestly but um that is just my own personal prerogative but that is kind of what happens when people have something really terrible happen to them and then they kind of seek out this this religion this mystical other sort of thing to help explain things or be like well why did this happen to me and i don't know i'm not going to go into it so anyway back to the titanic uh so i wanted to talk about all the curses and things there's literally a wikipedia page that is dedicated to all the myths and stories surrounding the titanic um At the time of the sinking, it was believed that the curse, like around the Titanic, because there were so many different things that happened, which we'll talk about in a second, it was believed that the curse was largely due, one of the reasons I should say, was largely due to the fact that the White Star Line didn't christen their ships, which again was just a weird thing. (laughs) Uh, Then it was also thought, like I teased at the beginning, that there were these series of novels about ocean liner accidents and things like that, uh, that happened, but in the age of steam line travel, of course, there are going to be accidents like things just happen because you don't have proper regulations. And because it's never happened before, people don't really necessarily think or know how to kind of not have those things happen. Like you have to have some disasters to understand, OK, we need to protect against fire like with the Chicago fire uh, and just all these various different things. So anyway. Back to this. <laughs> um, so. It was said that this was predicted in several novels of the time, which it's just it's kind of just bound to happen, unfortunately. Uh, A couple different things that happened too that have been attributed to the curse of the Titanic were the ship almost collided with another one when pulling out of harbor. A fire broke out during construction, which is pretty common of the time. Construction crew members died during the building, which there were like a whole list of fatalities and things like that. But if you're building something this big in this time period, of course you're going to have fatalities. Like every major thing that was built, you had fatalities or people who died who were related to it. But people obviously want to sensationalize it. Uh, Captain Edward Smith, who was the captain of the Titanic, Uh, He even stated he felt jinxed because he had had a lot of other nautical issues in his career. But I mean, my God, he's like a hundred. So he had like a lot of different things that he had seen. Um, Some survivors of the Titanic, they also claimed that they were cursed after the shipwreck because they faced hardship or a lot of people died relatively soon, which now we could chalk up to PTSD. That was horrific what you witnessed. Like that is absolutely terrible and it's a whole other level of stress that normal people don't go through so stress can really kill you and it can fuck you up so that can be attributed to that but in addition to the thought that the curse was related to the white star line not christening their ships it's also been attributed to this weird ancient mummy curse which does not exist (laughs) Um, specifically it was like a cursed mummy coffin lid is what it's been called It was theorized that that this mummy lid was on board the Titanic when it sank, and it was either being transported from the British Museum to the US, so some sort of deal there, Or it was being transported by Margaret Brown or Molly Brown, the unsinkable Molly Brown. There's a whole movie made about her and a lot of books and stuff like that. But it was believed that Molly Brown was also bringing it to Denver for a museum. It was also theorized that editor and spiritualist William Stead was involved, claiming that the mummy was the cause for many unfortunate events that were happening in the UK. He wrote about this very prolifically. But either way, while the mummy actually does exist, the mummy in question, it's still at the British Museum. So this is totally debunked. It doesn't it's no it does not it is not a curse i just wanted to chime in and just say you know people are saying that it's the curse of the titanic that does not exist you are not helping solve any problems by clogging up channels and th- like you're just you're sensationalizing it just like everybody else has throughout history and that does not exist you are not helping anything um that's just my two cents so as of this morning banging could be heard on the submersible in 30 minute intervals so it's obviously believed that these are the people who are trapped in the submersible. Hopefully, crews can get to them in time. Again, there's maybe 24 hours left of oxygen, so they're going to have to kind of conserve as best as they can and not output too much carbon dioxide. So we shall see. I hope I have a happy update for you in the future, but it is very unlikely just given how long this has taken. But we'll see by the end of the week, end up like TLDR curses don't exist, just don't believe that. <laughs> On to the next story. So this is going to be a very brief story. Um, this is mostly just geared toward like my video editors and content creators out there. This is just kind of, uh, hey, just know that this exists. So again, we're talking about AI. I feel like I'm talking about AI in every single episode, but this is actually. To be helpful to you, Uh, a lot of video editing platforms are trying to incorporate AI into making kind of like a really nice, easy streamline for people who edit videos, which is really helpful. I'm a video editor, like videographer, video editor. So, this, excuse me, (laughs) this is a very interesting idea. So, like Adobe Premiere Pro, they have debuted this beta program where, excuse me, sorry, I have the hiccups right now. I got so riled up with the Titanic. Uh, But they have this beta program where you can edit your video using the transcript and it'll actually clip out those portions of your video, which is really cool. Well, now Vimeo is offering a similar service, but actually with an added bonus. Vimeo lately, they've kind of have been appealing to business people is what I read. They're kind of looking toward like CEOs and CEOs and managers who create these videos for their staff and stuff. I don't know. I personally have never used Vimeo, so I didn't even know that any of this existed, but apparently they are trying to figure out a way to generate video scripts using AI, specifically ChatGPT. So this will be incorporated within their, uh, they have like a subscription for it, I guess, blah, blah, blah. You can go look if you give a fuck. The scripts can fit a specific tone or length that the user wants. Um, and then it'll be incorporated within their new built-in teleprompter, and then it'll have a customizable pace and font size, which obviously, if you're choosing a specific length, it'll kind of depend then on how quickly you have the teleprompter going and how quickly you can talk and or how slowly you talk, whatever. The technology, it'll also allow the user to remove any ums and uhs and restitch their clips together using the video transcript. Now you can already generate transcripts and like scripts for yourself using chat GPT. And you can type, you know, I want this written in a friendly tone, or I want this to be a five minute video script. And again, it's subjective because it depends on your cadence and how quickly you can talk and all those various different things. But I just wanted to talk about this because this is showing the future of where video editing can kind of go. Having everything in this like all in one is really fascinating. Essentially, it's from conception to production and like posting, if if they could even figure out a way to then schedule it to post the video for you to the platform Vimeo or to various different social media channels, that would be huge. Like that would be really cool. Then it's like, oh, this is like an all-in-one thing. The only downside I see though is that whenever somebody writes something using ChatGPT or uses chat gpt to make a script for them you can 100% tell it sounds like a fucking robot is talking to you and it's just like oh hi class like kids don't do drugs here are three ways that you should not do drugs one and it's like it's very apparent that a a non-human wrote this so it's very sterile and you it's just like kind of weird it's not how normal people would write or talk or present something but I could see this being kind of the new way where you might have like two separate camps so this is just like in fine art where you have like uh the manufactured art and then you have like the the fine art the artisanal and everything so like uh ikea paintings like that would be something that would be mass produced or manufactured where every person on the planet theoretically could own the same exact piece of artwork where if you go to a gallery you could just own the original one-of-one copy. There are no other copies. It's literally just this one. I could see that happening with video production as well, where on YouTube, you might start seeing people who are just trying to like create videos quick and snappy to promote their business or do a sales thing or whatever. Totally fine. You do you. You'll also have people who want to do it for like the love and the art of it, which you can't already see with like productivity experts. They're more the, the manufactured kind of video, I would call it, versus like someone like, Casey Neistat or Emma Chamberlain or something where they they do like the art kind of video if that makes any sense so anyway I just wanted to talk about that super briefly just in case you do video editing yourself or you would like to like for your business or whatever uh, just to know that that is existing and that is something that's coming out and that's possibly the future of video creation and content creation so just I guess kind of figure out what you would like your lane to be and like I said there are some kinks that still need to be ironed out but like specifically with the cadence and the the tone and the way that things are written with Chat GPT, but as time goes on, it'll get ironed out and then maybe you won't even be able to tell. So on to our next and final story. A man in Germany has taken the idea of shitty art a bit too literally. <laughs> he creates his artwork using poop. <laughs> Werner Hartel, which this can only be a story from Germany, it feels like it feels so fucking German. It is ridiculous. But anyway, Werner Hartl literally creates his paints from cow poop. So don't worry, it's not human poop. It is cow poop still kind of gross. Uh, I when I was reading about this, I literally was like, Ugh. so <laughs> uh, just I guess. Beware, it might be vomit-inducing. He allegedly discovered this medium about ten years ago when he was trying to wash the cow shit off the side of his barn and realized, oh wow, it's really staying on there. <laughs> I admire his uh, his creativity, I guess. Uh, and naturally, he thought, hey, why don't I use this as paint? <laughs> Which, of course, wouldn't we all think that? <laughs> so here is how his process works. He allegedly takes a bucket. And as his cow is pooping, he holds the bucket under it to get the freshest supply possible. (laughs) Direct from supplier. Uh, He then dilutes it with varying amounts of water to create different shades. So he could have like a lighter brown, a medium brown, a dark brown, maybe a black. It depends on what the cow eats. (laughs) Uh, So it's kind of like watercolors. He then uses very dry, gentle brush strokes, and he works in layers to get the desired effect. It takes a little bit of time, but I would say that that's the least of his worries. (laughs) He does address that, you know, there is a little bit of a smell to it, which like fucking obviously, of course, it is shit. Like there will be a scent. Uh, But he states that he's also had some issues with the consistency of the paint because then there's clumps of grass and straw and various other different things that the cows have eaten throughout the day, week, whatever, however quick their digestive tract is. Uh, So he has to kind of like take those pieces out as he's trying to, this grosses me out so much, but he has to remove those as he's trying to create a consistent paint. I would fucking die if I tried to do this. I am so grossed out by it uh but kudos to him he found a sustainable way to create paint so you know like you do you that is great um people have raised obviously health concerns when dealing with feces like there could be e coli there could be these myriad different things like you should not be handling poop uh but hardle is not concerned about it he says that he actually thinks it's helping his health which like whatever you do you man if you think it's good for you just I guess keep doing. You keep doing you. What's funny though is that these paintings are actually very well done. Like he's a great artist. They they look really nice. He does a really good job. If I didn't know that they were made with poop, I'd be like, oh, that's interesting that he's using like a a brown kind of like charcoal or something. But it looks rustic. It's extremely fucking rustic because it's Pope. So <laughs> uh, I do wonder if there is like a scent to the painting after he has made it. I. If he's selling these, I hope he at least seals it so then you kind of can't smell it in your house. I don't know. I feel like either way, you're going to smell it, whether it's just in your head, like you're you're freaking yourself out. It's like a psychosomatic sort of thing where you're like, I can smell shit in my house. Personally, I would never have these paintings in my home. I wouldn't even have them in my garage. I wouldn't have them fucking anywhere. But it's a really cool idea, I guess. I was thinking about the Andy Warhol piss paintings when I was uh, reading about this as well, just because that's like it's another bodily function, I guess, where he would take, I forget what it was. I think it was like, uh, chromium dioxide or something fucking weird like that. Okay. So that's what it was. It was piss oxidation and cum paintings. <laughs> uh, so it would literally be pouring or dripping urine onto canvases prepared with either copper or gold colored paint. So then it would oxidize and like a bunch of other bodily fluids. So I guess, uh, what you could learn from this is that, you know, If you're ever in a creative slump, you can use some of your bodily fluids and maybe it'll inspire you to be a little bit more creative or just create something totally new. Up to you, whatever you'd like to do. I personally would say don't fucking do it. That is very gross, but whatever. It's sustainable, I guess, for the future. So anyway, that'll do it for this episode of Biomara. It was very chaotic and all over the fucking place, but hopefully you got at least some sort of value from it. I don't know. Uh, If you like this episode, please be sure to like it. I don't blame you if you didn't. It was chaotic, so (laughs) you do you. Uh, Subscribe if you want to hear more of this. Totally understand if you don't. And uh, as always, I'm Amara Andrew. Never stop creating. Even with your bodily fluids. (laughs) I am going to puke. That is so gross. (laughs)